best sandwich in all of Grand Rapids, the Schnitz. The Schnitz Deli down on Fulton, best sandwich in GR. Now, uh, you go there, you can get yourself uh, some corned beef on rye, fantastic. The roast beef mm, to die for, the Italian hoagie, woo, that's nice too. But, friends, bypass all of those and go straight to the pastrami. That's right, I'm just telling you. You gotta eat the pastrami. All right, now, look at this bad boy. <laughs> pastrami, this is uh, on pumpernickel, freshly made. They make it at the bakery, Schnitzelstein Bakery, right next door. Uh, they do everything. They create their own meats that they source. They got uh, homemade slaw, some Swiss, Thousand Island. Oh, just the smells, like, really. Mmm, oh, good, so good. I wish I could describe what I'm experiencing right now. The juice. Oh. All right. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him your favorite sandwich while I try to finish this bite off. So there's actually a lot about this sandwich that I love talking about, okay? Uh, it's not just the fresh baked bread uh, or the fact that they source all their meats from Lapari's and then actually cook them in-house, finish them in-house, cut them in-house. The slaw is made fresh every day as well. Uh, it's also the fact that there's history behind this sandwich, uh, there used to be a restaurant in Grand Rapids called the Schnitzelbank, and it was a German restaurant, one of the oldest operating restaurants in all the GR. Started back in 1934, uh, closed in 2006. But before Schnitzelbank, the restaurant closed, they actually opened up the Schnitz, which was the deli connected to it. So all the recipes go back to the old world, to some German immigrants that came over in the 20s before they started the restaurant. Uh, the Schnitz Deli's been around since 99 for the last 31, 32 years now. It's phenomenal, okay? And it's not just the sandwich and the ingredients itself. It's, it's the place, like it's the ambiance. So you go in there, they still serve you in those old school red plastic baskets. You know what I'm talking about? With the toothpick on top and the deli like feels like you just walked into something out of New York City or Chicago. Like it's legit 
and Wendy's working the counter. She's been there for I don't even know how long, all right? And she knows everything about it, the history and who's who and what's what and where they get stuff. And it's just the smells. And, and, and they got this amazing broccoli salad you can get on the side, uh, awesome desserts as well. Like everything about this place is just like, mm, so good. Uh, they're not open on Sundays, though. So <laughs> I know what y'all were thinking, and I'm just... I'm going to break the bad news to you right now. You're going to go Monday. But it's amazing. And if you go there, you're going to want to eat the pastrami. Now, it's one thing for me to talk about this sandwich to you, right? But I have actually worked it out with the schnitz that every single one of you guys bring in the sandwich. I'm kidding. You're not getting a sandwich. Today. <laughs> that was really mean to me. But here's the deal. Way better than me talking about it would be if I could give you a sandwich right now, right? If I could actually say, come and see, taste it, eat the pastrami, get it. Like, that's way better than somebody talking about it. And that's actually one of the things that Jesus desires of us as well as Christians. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to John chapter 1 this morning. John chapter 1. Now, we're going to spend a little bit of time in a passage that often kind of gets like, not skipped over, but kind of skimmed through quickly, all right? Because in John chapter 1, it starts off with the passage, the first 18 verses that pastors and theologians, we love to talk about, it, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it's all this deep, theological, rich, poetic, beautiful, meaningful, like, chunk of stuff that explains Jesus' divinity to us. And us pastors, we love, like, ooh, let's dive into that, right? Then right after that, you've got this amazing story about John the Baptist and Jesus. John the Baptist was Jesus' just slightly older cousin. And he was the herald. Like, if there's, like, a, a big parade when a king is coming, they would always have a herald out in front of the parade announcing that the king was coming, okay? That's what John the Baptist is. So he's going around all Israel explaining the Messiah is coming. And John the Baptist actually says, and the Messiah is Jesus. Jesus is the one I've been talking about. Jesus is the one that you should be following. And we have this story there at the beginning of John where Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And then when Jesus comes up out of the water, God the Father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, the text says. We pastors, we love talking about that story too. And then... In chapter 2, you get Jesus' first miracle. He turns water into wine, okay? We love talking about it. That's a great story. What, a whole bunch of water turned into a whole bunch of wine, like nice wine, expensive wine, good tasting. That's a good We love that. But sandwiched in between those stories is what we're going to look at today. You like how I use sandwich there? That's pretty good, right? Come on, work with me, people. I put in work to get these great jokes for you. I'm just kidding. So... What we're going to look at this morning is John chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 35. It's a story of when Jesus begins calling some of his first disciples, and it feels like someone's like, okay, that's, you know, that's nice, that's good, like, that needed to happen. But John actually puts this uh, couple little stories in this spot on purpose, because what John wants to do is set up the rest of his gospel to help us understand what discipleship to Jesus, following Jesus actually needs to look like. So join with me, John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35. It says, the next day, John, this is John the Baptist, 
There's going to be three Johns we talk about in this particular passage, okay? John is the one who wrote this gospel, okay? Then we have John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin. And then there's another guy named John who is somebody's father. We'll see him in just a minute. But this first John is John the Baptist. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? I love Jesus. He's so like, just like, boom. What do you want? You need something? What can I do for you? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. This is a refrain we're going to see a few times. Come and see. Jesus is basically saying, Come and eat the pastrami, all right? So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John said and who had followed Jesus. So Andrew's one of the two guys. He and another guy, all right? The author doesn't tell us who it is. We find out later that's actually John who wrote this. John and Andrew we're actually hanging out with John the Baptist. When Jesus walks by and John the Baptist says, that's the Lamb of God, that's the Messiah, that's the one to follow. And so Andrew begins to follow Jesus. Well, Andrew has a brother. His name is Simon, okay? Also known as Peter, all right? So we call him Simon Peter sometimes. Andrew is gonna go get his brother. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus, 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, also known as Peter, and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. It's another one of those, come and see, eat the pastrami, all right? Jesus looked at him, that is Peter or Simon, and said, you are Simon, son of John. (laughs) That's our third John, all right? You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This means rock. That's what Peter means. So we have this kind of progression that John, the gospel writer, is setting out for us. It's a progression that starts off with follow, which is like, hey, we need to see what this is about. And then the come and see, which is really like come and have an experience. Come and experience Jesus. And then after that, there's this, they stay with him. So they kind of learn, all right? We're going to see this repeated again. In this next little story, which is another calling of some disciples. So keep reading with me. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So Galilee is up in the north of Israel. If you remember our map from a couple weeks ago, uh, Jesus did most of his ministry in the northern part of Israel. Right now, Jesus is kind of down in the southern region. He's about to head back up. He's just been baptized in the Jordan River. He sees Philip and he says to Philip, Follow me, all right? So there, we get that same call. Like, come, check things out, okay? Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I love Nathanael, (laughs) what he says next. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Nazareth was not like this hopping cool town. Nazareth was kind of like a podunk, you know, out of the way. It wasn't that big. You know, like, what, really? Like, Messiah's going to come from Nazareth? Please. It's kind of like saying, like, uh, 
He's from Byron Center. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Byron Center folks. Y'all getting mad at me right now. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It's more like Caledonia. Oh! Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. What does Philip say? Come and see. Come see. Have an experience with Jesus. Eat the pastrami. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip even called you. Jesus drops a little knowledge that only, only someone like Jesus could do. No human being would know that. Wouldn't been able to see what Nathanael was doing before he was even there. God knew through the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew. And he drops this on him. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. But you're going to see even greater things than that. Then Jesus added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Uh, What Jesus is referring to there is a story from the Old Testament where Jacob was fleeing his brother, and uh, God showed him the spot that they call Bethel, where there was a ladder from heaven to earth, and uh, God's revelation, these angels were going up and down on it. And what Jesus is saying is, uh, you remember that story, Philip? Come hang with me, and you're going to see that story taking place in my life. I'm the place where heaven meets earth. I'm the place where God's revelation comes down. That's what Jesus is saying here in this spot. And Nathaniel's mind is blown. And we have the exact same thing going on right here. You get to follow, come and see, right? Have an experience with Jesus, come eat the pastrami, right? And then hang out, get to know. Like, there's some learning that takes place. That's how it always is. We're supposed to have an experience with Jesus. And so I want to say to you, there are some of you that maybe uh, you grew up in the church, you kind of grew up around Christianity, so you know some stuff up here, right? You've heard of this Jesus guy, you kind of know some of the things that he did, but you've never, exper- you've never tasted and seen. You've never eaten the pastrami. And so maybe today, the whole reason God has you here is because God wants to say, would, would, you, would you come and see? Would you invite Jesus in, have an experience with Jesus? See if what he says is legit, true, real. But there's something more than simply experience. John actually lays it out here, but it's easy for us to miss. There's more than experience. See, experience is always intended to lead us towards obedience. And experience with Jesus is always intended to lead us towards experience. Now, to get from experience to obedience, though, there's a bridge that we have to cross. And John actually talks all about this bridge all throughout here. We just miss it sometimes as we read through. Let me go back and explain it here. See, John drops all kinds of Easter eggs or hints or breadcrumbs, and they're found in the titles that John gives to Jesus. So let's go back, and I just want you to start counting them, okay? Start counting every way that Jesus gets described, every title they talk about him or things that they say about him, all right? So, I'm going to read it again. I want you to say, if you need to use your fingers, use your fingers. You ready for this? The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Boom, that's your first one. When the two disciples heard him, 
say this. They followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them and said, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Another way they describe him. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you're going to see. Come eat the pastrami. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. That was about four. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what Jesus had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, rock, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, and we find out where he's from, and he's the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, Here's truly an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you are. You were still under the fig tree before Philip even called your butt. That's in the Greek. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, which we've already heard, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see even greater things than that. Jesus then adds, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Ten different titles or ways to describe Jesus. Now, John doesn't do this on accident. you got to remember, John can't write about every single thing that happened in Jesus' life, okay? So John is picking and choosing various stories to help us get an understanding of who Jesus is and what it means to follow Jesus. That's why he drops this really important piece in in chapter 1. We're about to get into chapter 2 where Jesus' ministry starts, and John has just laid out a pattern for us of follow, come and see, taste Jesus, eat the pastrami, experience, have an experience with Jesus, and then stay a while with him. There's this learning. So there is an expectation that we have an experience with Jesus, That's going to lead to obedience to Jesus, but the bridge between those is knowledge. The only way that you move from an experience with Jesus to obedience to Jesus is through the bridge of knowledge. It's not enough to love Jesus. You have to know who Jesus is too. We have to be students of the word. We have to be students of Jesus. If we want to shock the world, we can't just have an experience We also have to have obedience, and the way that you get there is through the bridge of knowledge, knowing what Jesus is like. Look, friends, you can't be a great football player if you don't know the rules of the game. Okay? You can't be. You can't be a great football player if you don't know the coach's playbook. You can't be a good football player if you think that bringing a basketball out onto the field is going to somehow help your team. That's a whole different sport. You ain't even playing the same game anymore. We have to know what's going on. Um, this year I had the privilege of being the chaplain for GVSU football. So I get to sit in on some of their meetings and, and hang out with the, the team and hang out with the coaches. And so a couple weeks ago I was uh, hanging out with Coach Olson. Uh, he's the running backs coach. And uh, they were going through some practice film, all right? And they're like talking about each thing. Like he'll like, 
stop a clip and like speed it up, slow it down, show them like, okay, this happened. This is really good. See how you did that? Oh, well, we missed this. Like, this is something we're going to have to clean up. And he's showing them all the stuff, right? And I'm like, man, this is crazy. Because at the top of the screen, for every one of the clips was the play they were running. All right? Let me tell you some of the plays. All right? Queen, off-right, hog, fog, (laughs) H-tray. That's one of the plays. Um, Off-right, Tom, Arizona cold. That's another play. This one's for defense. Cobra Bob, dagger one. You have any idea what that means? You're smarter than me if you do. I have no idea. I actually sat through and watched this stuff. I have no clue what any of that stuff means, but here's what I found out. A big, long name like Queen, Off-Right, Hog, Fog, H-Tray. All those words mean something. And if you're going to be a good football player, you've got to know what the play is. You've got to know what each one of those words mean. One of the words might mean that you're going to get the handoff and you need to go right. One of the words might mean they're going to fake the handoff to you and you need to split out right and they're going to pass you the ball. One of the words might mean they're going to fake the handoff to you and you need to block that particular linebacker because all the other offensive linemen have somebody else they're supposed to block. Every single one of those words means something. It tells you where to go, what to do, and if you don't know the plays, you're going to wind up getting your quarterback hurt or you're going to wind up making a fool of yourself or a turnover is going to happen. It's important that you know the plays. Look, friends, the same thing is true for us as followers of Jesus. It's not good enough to just love football. If you want to be a good player, you've got to know the play. It's not good enough to just like Jesus. Like, I love Jesus. He's cool. Well, all right, that's fine and dandy. But God has also given us a playbook called the Bible that helps us understand what Jesus is like, what he expects of us, what he desires. And so, friends, if we're going to shock the world, we've got to be a people that study the scriptures. Now, I know I say the word study, and all y'all are like, man, we just went back to school. <laughs> like, I got way too much to study. I don't want to. But look, friends, I'm just telling you, if we're going to actually make a difference, if we're going to be the kind of people that partner with God to heal this world, the kind of people that are going to bring grace and mercy to people that are just hurting and struggling in life, people that are going to bring transformation. If we're going to engage with folks in a way that brings hope and life, we have to have more than just an experience with Jesus. We have to have an experience that leads to obedience, and the way we get from one to the other is through knowledge. It's what God desires of us. And so if we care, if we're going to go after Jesus, if we're going to actually say, like, look, we want to make a difference in the world, we've got to be people who are willing to spend some time studying. Every Christian needs an experience with Jesus that leads to obedience to Jesus through a growing knowledge of Jesus. Do you know the difference between a consumer and a connoisseur? A consumer just eats what's put in front of them. A connoisseur knows all about it. You see, I moved from being a consumer of the Schnitz Deli to being a connoisseur of the Schnitz Deli, all right? Like, the first time I went, I ate. I was like, oh, this is good. But then I started going back, right? I wanted to know more. Uh, Dr. Burge, Gary, uh, he and I just ate there last week. 
he stinking loves this place. Like, it's his favorite. Anytime I say, hey, Gary, would you like to get lunch? He's like, yeah, can we go to the Schnitz? I'm like, yes, let's go to the Schnitz, because it's awesome, right? But I, I don't just simply consume anymore. I become a connoisseur. I know how they make the pastrami, the brine, how they cook it. I've learned that the slaw is handmade, and I like it even better than the kraut that they often put on. I like the pumpernickel just a little bit better than the rye, although the rye is really good, too. I know more about it. I become a connoisseur. That's what Jesus desires of us, that we would move from simply being consumers of an experience. We're like, I just want more. Let me come to church. Let me get filled up. I need my Jesus hit, right, to being connoisseurs where we actually know what's going on, why we do the things that we do, what Jesus desires for us. Jesus wants us to move from Consumers to connoisseurs. You ever hear how skaters talk about Tony Hawk? I'm not a skater, all right? I'm a poser. <laughs> but if you get a room full of skaters and you ask them to start talking about Tony Hawk, guess what they'll start telling you? Oh, Tony Hawk's, man, he's like this. He smiles like this. They know what his nickname is, Birdman, because he's got tall and lanky arms. And they know the kind of board that he rides. Uh, they know the charity that he helps uh, give money to. Uh, they know the people uh, that he's dated or been married to. Um, they know how many kids he's got. Uh, they know what Tony Hawk's signature trick is. They know all about Tony Hawk. And they can tell, they can describe. They might have never met the dude in their life, but they can tell you all about him, what he's like. The things that he likes, the things that he doesn't like, what he does. We want to talk about Jesus the way skaters talk about Tony Hawk. We want to know him so well that if somebody says, like, tell me about Jesus. We're not just like, uh, well, he was God's son. And he died on a cross. And he rose back to life. Like, those are all good things. We ought to know that, right? Well, we want to talk about Jesus the way skaters talk about Tony Hawk. Like, ah, oh, Jesus? Ugh. Like, that dude, he's so cool. Like, he doesn't stay away from me. I always feel like he's trying to, like, get to know me better. And, man, that dude, he's got so much, like, when I blow it, like, when I feel like he ought to, like, come and just nail me with a hammer, he doesn't. In fact, he actually gives me grace and mercy in, in, instead of what I deserve. Jesus, he's got, like, this sense of humor. It's kind of funny, but he's passionate, too. Like, he really cares. And, like, he didn't just, like, play with life. He, like, went after life, like, full bore. And Jesus, man, he loves me. Like, he really does. We want to talk about Jesus the way skaters talk about Tony Hawk. We want to move from being consumers of Jesus to connoisseurs of Jesus. And, friends, if we're going to shock the world, we're going to have to be people who actually move to know what Jesus is like. So, this is your mission, all right? I'm going to give you a mission. I'm going to give you one thing to do, and I'm going to give you three ways to do it, all right? So, your mission, if you choose to accept, is this. I would like for you, this week, to study Jesus for two hours, okay? Study Jesus for two hours. Like, ah, I can't do that. I guess two hours, really? All right, so check it out. This is what I'm, do one hour one day, one hour another day, okay? All right, maybe like an hour. That still seems like too long. All right, do it a half an hour, four days, okay? And this is what I want you to do right now. For those of you that are willing to take this challenge, study Jesus for two hours this week, I want you right now just to think about when could I do this? What morning? What night? Maybe you do it over uh, the course of like lunchtime. You're like, hey, I can take... 
four lunch times. I got a half an hour. I'm going to do something during that time. Okay, I want you right now. When could I do it? Now, I'm going to give you three things you could do. Okay? Three things you could do. Number one. Number one. There's no better thing to do to study Jesus than to read a gospel. All right? You can read the gospel of Mark in about an hour and a half. Okay? Hour and a half. You can read the gospel of John, what we just started, in two hours. Boom, that's your two hours. Read the gospel of John, study Jesus. Now, if you're uh, like an overachiever, like my sister was, okay? All right? You're like, two hours? I can do more. All right, great. Matthew and Luke, they take about two and a half hours, okay? Do that. She was always like, Four point something at the end of high school. I was like 2.5. I graduated. Like she, all right, if you're one of those folks, all right, blessings on you. Read Matthew or Luke. Now, that's one option. Read a gospel this week, all right? Option number two, read a great book that's about Jesus. Let me, I'm going to give you some. Go ahead and pull out your phones, okay? Because you're not going to remember any of these. I'm going to just put these up on there. Read a great book on Jesus like Yancey's The Jesus I Never Knew or N.T. Wright's The Challenge of Jesus, all right, uh, Dave Roberts, Following Jesus, a non-religious guidebook for the spiritual hungry. Tim Keller's King's Cross. Those are all fantastic books. If there's one up there, you're like, man, that sounds really interesting, or I've heard of that author. I need to read a little bit more. Take a picture. Go to the library. Get the book for free. Go on Amazon. I'm sure most of those are probably like 10 bucks if you put them, buy them on Kindle, okay? And then just spend two hours this week reading a book about Jesus. Or... If you're like, ah, I don't know if I can do any of those, I'm going to give you a little bit one that's a little bit easier. A third option for studying Jesus for two hours, watch the Chosen miniseries, okay? All right? It's like got two seasons. Season one is out. You can download the app for free, and then you can watch them on your computer or tablet. I think you can even smart cast them to your TV, the Chosen, all right? So... Jesus wants us to move from consumer to connoisseur. And that's what we desire as well. Friends, that's how we're going to shock the world. By loving Jesus so much because of an experience with him that we want to obey him. And we know the only way we're going to obey him well is if we understand and know him. And that comes through studying the word. And so we're going to do that together. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to not think about doing this on your own. All right? If you're in a local group, you need to tell the other folks in your local group what you're going to do or how they can help keep you accountable. If you came with some friends from uh, high school or college, talk to the folks that you came with and say, yo, what are we going to do together? Let's read this book together. Let's read this gospel together. Or, hey, we're going to start watching The Chosen. We're going to binge Jesus for a couple hours on tonight or something. Okay? So talk, right? Because if it's just something we try to do on our own, it's really hard. But when we invite others into that space with us, they help us. And we need that. We need to be the body of Christ for one another. And as we do that, friends, we are going to shock the world. I promise you. Father God, we want to be people who go after this together. We want to move from consumer to connoisseur. God, we want to eat the pastrami, but God, we don't just want to be consumers. We want to know how the pastrami is made and the bread and what makes it all great. And God, that's what we want to do with you too. We want to move simply beyond consuming you, God, to actually really knowing you and studying you, God so that we can have an answer to anyone who asks. Jesus, do this in us. Help us. Pray it in your name, amen.